You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports on this Friday, October the 8th, with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show, live here on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. You are live here with Trey Larkins on the World Wide Sports Network. Uh, it is a great day to be in the house talking all the latest sports news around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I am ready to get the show going. We got an action jam-packed show. We're going to preview the matchup between my quarterback and my Green Bay Packers traveling here to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a pair of three-on-one teams facing off against one another at Paul Brown Stadium at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I can't wait for it. I will be in the house. Y'all know I'm going to be there. I'm going to preview that game here in a bit. Also, I'm going to talk about the big-time matchup tonight at Nipper Stadium, the Temple Owls, 3-2 and two on the season, traveling, you know, here to Cincinnati to take on the 4-0 and Cincinnati Bearcats at Nipper Stadium. It's going to be electric tonight at Nipper. I'll be there for that game as well. So I'll, I'll be going straight to Nipper, you know, after I get done with my show here uh, live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Also, later on the show, I'm going to preview an AFC championship game rematch between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to break down that game as well, give you my predictions for that game. Talk about the matchups I'm looking forward to and that Sunday night matchup on NBC. Also, later on the show, I'm going to give you my NFL Week 5 wise picks for the week. So all of that ahead. But we begin in Seattle as we had last night, the Thursday night matchup between the L.A. Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams beat the Seahawks 26-17. to The Rams are off to their second consecutive 4-1 start. They finished 10-6 last year. And the Seahawks, they fall to two and three on the season. They have lost three of their last four games. Russell Wilson, he is now eight and 12 on his career record versus the Rams, including the playoffs. So what was my biggest takeaway from this game? My biggest takeaway from this game is how much trouble the Seattle Seahawks are currently in right now with this finger injury to Russell Wilson. Seattle, we have a problem. We have a problem. There's only been one quarterback in the NFL who has started every game in the last 10 seasons. That will happen to be Russell Wilson. And Mr. Reliable is in jeopardy of not being able to start in the next game, which will take place next Sunday in Pittsburgh, when the Seahawks travel to Heinz Field to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also, Russell Wilson has the longest active consecutive starts at quarterback with 149 consecutive starts in the NFL. He has the longest streak in the NFL with a consecutive starting, you know, at the quarterback, quarterback position. Tom Brady, he's next in line with 80 consecutive starts. Derek Carr is third with 63. That streak also is in jeopardy after Pete Carroll said after the game 
that quote, it was a badly sprained finger. And the fact that Russell Wilson didn't come back in the game and finish the game for the Seattle Seahawks, if you are a Seahawks fan, you have to be worried right now. Because I'm going to be honest with y'all. Seahawks fans, I thought sitting at 2-2 two and two before last night's game, I thought y'all was already in trouble losing two games earlier in the season that you should have won. They lost to the Tennessee Titans in week two, a game where they had a double-digit lead. And then in week three, they lost to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings in a game where they were favored to win. And so those were two games that the Seahawks were supposed to win. So you can make a legitimate argument coming into the game. They should be three and one on the season, maybe even four and oh, but they were sitting at two and two. And, you know, before last night, Russell Wilson, had nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, had 130 passer rating through the first four weeks of the season, which led the NFL. Now you have to rely on Geno Smith and that terrible defense. And I told y'all on yesterday's show, in every major statistical category, the Seattle Seahawks defense is ranked dead last. They rank dead last at total yards per game given up. They rank dead last at total first downs per game given up. They're ranked dead last at total rushing yards per game given up as a defense. And now that's the defense that you have to rely on if Russell Wilson misses a significant amount of time and you have to rely on Geno Smith. It's not looking too good for the Seattle Seahawks. And I'll be the first to tell you, I was one of those people that had the Seahawks making the playoffs, even being in the tough division like the NFC West. When you play in a tough division like the NFC West, you have to win the games that you're supposed to win. Like when you go up against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, like when you have a double-digit lead against the Tennessee Titans, even though the Tennessee Titans are legitimate contenders in the AFC, in my opinion. I I know they lost last week to the Jets, but I believe the Titans are the favorites in the AFC South. But Russell Wilson and the Seahawks had a double-digit lead on the Titans in week two, and they squandered that lead away, and they lost that game. So sitting at two and three on the season, playing in the tough NFC, I mean, NFC West, you know, you can make a legitimate argument that the Seahawks right now, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. And so, you know, Jamal Adams, this is, the, this is their defense, right? Jamal Adams, the highest paid safety in the NFL, got a four-year, $70 million extension in the offseason. This is, this is the Seahawks defense. The Seahawks defense, they are on pace to allow the most yards per game in NFL history. And they are on, on pace to give up 450 yards per game. They've given up 450 total yards and four straight games. Four straight games. And so Jamal Adams, he's the highest paid defensive back in the NFL. And all this in his last 46 games, last 46 games, this is Jamal Adams. He has one interception. This is includes the playoffs. One interception and all the season, zero sacks. Zero forced 
fumbles. I don't think today that it is an overreaction saying that Jamal Adams is overrated. And Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, they made a mistake making Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the NFL in the offseason because he is not producing right now for the Seattle Seahawks. And then defensively, they gave up 118 yards on the ground yesterday going up against an offense in the L.A. Rams that typically likes to throw the ball all around the yard. This is not a team that likes to run the football consistently. They like to drop Matthew Stafford back to pass and make big plays in the passing game. But last night, the Rams looked like a juggernaut running the football. They were going up against a terrible defense in the Seattle Seahawks. Darrell Henderson, he had 17 carries for 82 rushing yards, one touchdown. Sonny Michelle, 11 carries, 37 rushing yards, one touchdown. And so this Seattle Seahawks defense is awful. It's awful. And when you talk about the worst defenses in the NFL, I always talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I always talk about the Packers defense being very inconsistent. I don't think the Packers defense is as bad as the Seahawks and Chiefs defense, but I think the Packers defense is very inconsistent. And I'm going to talk about them here in a bit. But we can add the Seahawks on that list of teams that have a terrible defense that's led by an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson, like the Chiefs are led by Patrick Mahomes, like the Packers are led by Aaron Rodgers. Let's go ahead and add the Seattle Seahawks to that list. They're ranked dead last at every major statistical category defensively in the NFL. They're ranked dead last. So we look at their next three games coming up. They got to go to Pittsburgh next Sunday against the Steelers. Then they're home against the Saints. And then they're home against the Jaguars. These next three games are, are crucial for the Seahawks. They are crucial. Like, I mean, when you look at the games that they have on their schedule, as they get in November, they got to travel to Lambeau Field and take on the Packers. Then they have the Cardinals, you know, at home in week 11. Then they got the Washington football team. We don't know what you're going to get from the Washington football team. They've been inconsistent all year as well. But then they got they at Rams, you know, in week what week is this? This is December 19th. So this is later in the season. So they got some tough games down the stretch in their schedule. So these next three games are crucial for the Seattle Seahawks. They got to go at least probably two and one, maybe three and oh, maybe three and oh, like they, they can beat Pittsburgh. Like as much as the Steelers have been struggling the entire season so far, and you know, big Ben, he's washed. I've been on record saying it many times before that he's washed and defensively I don't believe the Steelers are as good as advertised plus they do have a lot of injuries right now that they're dealing with but the Steelers they haven't been very good so I think that's a winnable game for the Seattle Seahawks Saints is going to be tough it's going to be tough if they don't have Russell Wilson and they got Geno Smith who played well by the way last night I was actually impressed with Geno Smith last night what did Geno Smith go last night he went um let's look at these numbers geno smith sorry geno smith 10 of 17 131 passing yards he had one great touchdown had the late interception on the final drive but on that play tyler lockett had tripped 
under his own feet. So he wasn't able to be where Geno Smith was throwing the football. So that's what's called the interception. Geno Smith looked in good. If he can have them at two and one, which means they'll be what? They two and three right now. So they'll be what? Four and four, you know, after these next three games and maybe Russell Wilson can come back around week nine, maybe. I mean, that's the best case scenario right now for the Seattle Seahawks. Week nine being four and four. That's the best case scenario for them because if they go 0 and 3 while Russell Wilson is out, they're not going to make the playoffs. If they go one and two, they won't make the playoffs. Because if Russell Wilson is going to be out for any significant amount of time with the finger injury, you would think he'll come back maybe after about three, four weeks, right? And so two and three right now, you go one and two, then you'll be three and five when Russell Wilson comes back in week nine. In the NFC West, you're not going to be a playoff team. You're not going to be in a playoff team because we it's a legitimate chance the NFC West, they could get three teams in the playoffs. Seriously. I mean, you could make a legitimate case that the Arizona Cardinals will get in the playoffs. The LA Rams, they are locked to get in the playoffs. And then we don't know what's going to happen with the 49ers. If Trey Lance can start playing, you know, at a high level and can gain experience as time goes along and get more familiar with the offense, 49ers could be a legitimate playoff contender as well. So Seattle's in trouble. They really are in trouble right now. And again, their defense is awful. They're, they are a terrible defensive unit. This includes Bobby Wagner. And I love Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. He's a great leader. But those days of the Seattle Seahawks being a great defense are long gone. They are long gone. Right now, Richard Sherman, Browner, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, man, I know they're looking at this Seahawks defense right now like, what happened? What went wrong? And you would think that a team led by Pete Carroll would be better defensively, but that's just not the case. This is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And so on offense, they don't have a very good offensive line either. They don't. And it makes you really appreciate the greatness of Russell Wilson. Because nine times out of 10, he's able to make something out of nothing. And he makes plays, you know, with his legs that normally aren't there. The offensive line isn't very good either. They're not very good. I didn't like when they traded for Jimmy Graham, you know, a few years ago. And they traded Max Unger. That was their center at the time. And they traded for Jimmy Graham. Uh, I didn't think that was a good move. And ever since, the Seahawks offensive line has been one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And that's why you see Russell Wilson struggle the way that he has. And it makes you wonder. You remember in the offseason, Russell Wilson gave the Seahawks a list of teams that he was open to being traded to. It just makes you wonder if Russell Wilson could already kind of see the handwriting on the wall and could tell that this team is not a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the NFC. It really makes you wonder. And maybe Russell Wilson was trying to get out ahead of the mess that's about to take place with the Seahawks this season. Now, I'm going to transition and talk about the L.A. Rams as, you know, one of the keys to victory, I said, coming into the game was Matthew Stafford being able to distribute the football. And I talked about how I wanted another receiver to step up in the passing game for the Rams, whether it be Van Jefferson, whether it be Robert Woods, whether it be Deshaun Jackson. You can't just rely 
on Cooper Cup. You have to have someone else step up in the passing game, and that's exactly what happened on Thursday night because Robert Woods, he stepped up in a big way for Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. Robert Woods, 12 receptions, 150 receiving yards. He was absolutely sensational last night in the passing game for the Rams. And if the Rams are going to be legitimate contenders in the NFC, they need another receiver to step up and be that second consistent receiver for Matthew Stafford. It can't just be all Cooper Cup. Last week, Cooper Cup had 13 targets, only five receptions for the game. They need someone else to step up. And last night, it was Robert Woods. Now, I'm not going to put too much stock in that because Robert Woods was going up against a terrible secondary in the Seattle Seahawks. So I want to see Robert Woods do this against an elite secondary. But nevertheless, I give him credit and I give Sean McVay credit for getting Robert Woods involved in the offense. And you could tell he was engaged. And that's why you saw the LA Rams in the second half take off the way that they did. That's why you saw that. You saw in the second half, they were able to, you know, get into a rhythm and they scored 23 points in the second half. In the first half, they only had three points, only three points in the first half for the LA Rams. So, you know, that was another key for the Rams winning the game last night. Another good sign for the LA Rams was the fact that they were able to win this type of game. I thought in the first half, they, you know, played decent, but they had some struggles in the kicking game and things just weren't going well for the Rams. Matthew Stafford, you know, he was off in the first half and them being able to win this type of game, you know, given the circumstances and given the fact that they, they didn't play their best football, especially in the first half, says a lot about Sean McVay and this football team right now. It really, really does. And it's time for me to give the Rams a little bit of credit. Give them a little bit of credit. I went on record and I talked about how the LA Rams, even after beating Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in week three, I said they still weren't the best team in the NFL. But after watching them last night, the Rams are clearly one of the best teams in the NFC and one of the best teams in the NFL. So, you know, I like the way that Matthew Stafford played in the second half. I really, really did. You know, for the game, Matthew Stafford went 25-37, one touchdown, one bad interception. He had 365 passing yards. You know, he was able to get the ball down the field. He had 9.9 yards per attempt. So I was very impressed with him with that. And so, you know, total yards for the game, 476 total yards for the LA Rams. Now, again, the Seahawks defense – is terrible. So I can't really give the Rams but so much credit for having 406 total yards of offense because you're going up against the Seattle Seahawks, okay? I mean, a high school JV team right now could put up at least 200 yards on the Seattle Seahawks defense. Right now, that could happen. Right now, it could happen. So, you know, I like the way the Rams played in the second half. They really, really played much better. And again, they four and one for the second consecutive season. And right now they're the favorites in the NFC West. I picked the Rams to win the NFC West. And I know everybody's gonna say, what? The Rams are the favorites in the NFC West? Arizona's undefeated. They're four and oh. Right now, I still believe the Rams are better than the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals beat the Rams in week three in LA. I thought in that game, the card the Rams came out 
flat. And they had had that great performance against Tom Brady and the Bucks the prior week. And typically teams, when they have a great performance in a big-time matchup, the following week, they have a letdown. And sometimes they can come out deflated. And I thought that's what, ha- what happened with the Rams in their week four loss to the Arizona Cardinals. I just thought they were deflated in that game. They just didn't seem like they brought the energy that was necessary for them to be able to win an NFC West battle going up against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. But I still believe that the LA Rams are a slightly better team than the Arizona Cardinals right now. I do. So, you know, I picked the Rams to win the NFC West. And, you know, Matthew Stafford is playing some good football right now. And, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with the Rams the rest of the season. We'll see what's going to happen. But they have a chance. Actually, when you look at the Rams and their schedule, right, I think they got the Lions next week at, uh, at, in L.A. They got the Lions next week in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. And then where they got? Let me see. They got – oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. They have the – they go to New York. They got a, the Giants in the Meadowlands. And then they have the Lions. And then they have the Texans. So the next three weeks, we can look up. And the Rams – could be seven and one. They could be seven and one after these next three weeks. I mean, Giants, Lions, Texans, those are all three winnable games. The next game that they could possibly lose is to the Titans. That's November 7th. But even that is a game they can win. Then they got the 49ers and then they got their bye week, week 11. So, uh, I mean, going into their bye week, they could be honestly. Man, maybe nine and two. I mean, <laughs> seriously, they, they they got a chance. They got a chance to to make some noise for real. Maybe nine and one going into their bye week in week eleven. I mean, at the bare minimum, probably eight and two. Probably eight and two. And when you eight and two going into week eleven, you're in the driver's seat to have the number one overall seed in the NFC and have the road to the Super Bowl go through. LA at SoFi Stadium. And then that would mean that the Rams, if they did get to the Super Bowl, they wouldn't play a single game on the road in the postseason. That would be amazing. And that would be an easier path to the Super Bowl than having to travel on the road to a Tampa Bay or a Lambeau Field, you know, or even a, a Arizona. That was my takeaways from the Thursday night matchup between the Seahawks and the Rams. Two teams going in two completely different directions. Let's transition. And let's talk about the matchup Sunday night between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. And so I know I'm late with this, but I had to talk about this. I'm late, but I, I need to discuss what the, the game. I have to discuss it. As the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they beat the New England Patriots 19-17 and proved a 3-1 on the season. Brady breaks the record for the most passing yards in NFL history. Brady also became the fourth quarterback in NFL history to defeat all 32 NFL teams. Before the game, though, Tom Brady actually struggled. 22 of 43, threw for 269 passing yards. And for the Patriots, Mac Jones, he had a great game. 31 of 40, 275 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And so looking at the game Sunday night, Tom Brady, you know, 
traveling back to Foxborough to take on his former team. Watching this game and seeing what took place, it was a great game plan by Bill Belichick. I mean, it was absolutely sensational, the game plan that the New England Patriots had against Tom Brady. So I thought Bill Belichick was, was at his absolute best Sunday night in Foxborough. I mean, he had a great pass rush going up against Tom Brady uh, in the new, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they, they, they had only had one sack, but they had a bunch of pressures on Tom Brady. I mean, they were rushing three here, rushing four here, dropping back three. I mean, they were blitzing for so many different angles. It was a masterpiece performance put on by Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick showed why he is universally recognized as not only the best coach in the NFL, but the greatest coach in NFL history. We know coming into the game that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a much better team than the New England Patriots. From top to bottom, the Bucs had the more complete team. But watching that game Sunday night on NBC, I couldn't tell that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the defending Super Bowl champions and the New England Patriots were fresh off a losing season and trying to get back to the playoffs. Because watching this game, the way that Bill Belichick had the Patriots competing in this game, and they basically played with a certain kind of confidence, making you believe as a viewer, hey, they can actually win this game. I thought the, the Bucs were going to beat the Patriots. And I said coming into the game that it'll be a competitive game, but I thought we would have the, you know, feeling like, okay, the Bucs are still the better team. The Bucs have no chance at losing this game. But watching the game, I'm thinking the Patriots can actually win this game. They can actually win this game. And Tom Brady had his worst game of the season against Bill Belichick. Tom Brady, for the night, he completed 51% of his passes. That was a season rank worst on the season. He had 269 passing yards. That was worst on his season ranks statistically. He had 6.3 passing yards per attempt. That was worst uh, on his season ranks. He had no touchdown pass in his game. And his pass rating was 70.8. That was also his worst ranking for the entire season so far. So you could tell that Bill Belichick was prepared in this game and he had his defense ready to annihilate Tom Brady and try to frustrate him and to turn the football over. But I will admit that this game is why Tom Brady is the GOAT. Because in a game where he wasn't at his best, he wasn't at his best Sunday night, he was still able to win a tough game going up against a coach who knows him very, very well. And basically, Belichick taught Brady everything that he knows when it comes to the game of football. He learned from Bill Belichick. And so Brady was still able to overcome all of that and propel the Bucs to a 1917 win. So I, I thought, you know, both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were at their best. Tom Brady wasn't at his best throughout the course of the game, but he was able to still win the game. And when you are the GOAT, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You being able to win the game.
So from an accomplishment standpoint, I've always said Tom Brady is the GOAT from an accomplishment standpoint. And when you talk about talent, Patrick Mahomes is more talented than Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. There are a lot of players that even believe that Peyton Manning was even more talented than Tom Brady. But as far as being a winner, Tom Brady is the GOAT. And he was able to pull out this game even when he wasn't at his best. Says a lot about Tom Brady and where he's going right now with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. I know they got a lot of injuries right now on the defensive side of the ball in that secondary. Sean Murphy Bunning is out right now. You know, Jamal Dean, he's dealing with a bunch of injuries. But when you got Tom Brady at the helm, you're going to be a contender, you know, in the NFC. But as great of a night that Belichick had, I didn't like his decision on the final drive by the New England Patriots. I didn't like the 56-yard field goal attempt by Nick Falk. I thought Belichick should have went for the fourth and three and put the ball in Mac Jones' hands. Mac Jones was playing well, and he had 19 straight completions at one point in this game. You have to trust your rookie quarterback in that situation. For him to kick a 56-yard field goal in the rain, I mean, it's pouring down raining right now. It's pouring down raining. Rain coming everywhere. And for him to kick a 56-yard field goal made no sense to me, made no sense. And it made you wonder, does he not fully trust Mac Jones yet? Does he not fully trust Mac Jones yet? That was a moment where you would try, want him to get closer to make the field goal kick a little bit easier on Nick Folk. But also, even if Nick Folk would have made the field goal, Tom Brady would have still had over 50 seconds to get the Bucs back in field goal range to win the game. So I just thought that was a questionable decision at that moment in the game by the great Bill Belichick. I just thought that was kind of a questionable. I didn't, I didn't like that decision. So, you know, those are my takeaways from the game. And last question on this topic is, are the Patriots a playoff team in the AFC? Before the season, I said the Patriots, they are not a playoff team in the AFC. And right now, they still currently are not a playoff team in the AFC. You know, sitting right now at what? What are they, one and three on the season? Uh, I think the Patriots, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. And so, you know, Looking at the rest of the teams in the AFC right now, they aren't better than the Chargers. They aren't better than the Raiders. And then in the AFC South right now, they aren't better than the Tennessee Titans. The Colts, mm, that's debatable. But in the AFC North, they aren't better than the Ravens. They aren't better than the Browns. So it's going to be tough for the Patriots to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs winning the division. We know this is the Buffalo Bills division to lose they're the best team by far in this division if you're the new england patriots your best chance at getting into the playoffs is getting a wild card spot like i said they aren't better than a lot of teams that i just named so therefore i don't believe the patriots are going to make the playoffs and they're going to miss the postseason for second consecutive season let's transition to the game i'm looking forward to this weekend a game where I will be in the house 
at Paul Brown Stadium. We got a pair of three and one teams playing against one another at Paul Brown Stadium. Packers three and one coming off a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 27 to 17. We got the Cincinnati Bengals three and one on the season, fresh off a Thursday night win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a one o'clock Eastern time start. The game will be aired on Fox, ESPN. They give the Packers a 54% chance to win this game. Go, Pack, go. I'm so excited for this game. I'm so excited. I'll be there. Uh, I watched the Packers and Bengals play against each other, you know, in 2017, I believe. That game was played at Lambeau Field. It was a great game. Packers end up beating the Bengals in overtime. Aaron Rodgers threw like a 67-yard pass to Jordan Allison. Packers got in the field goal range, kicked the walk-off field goal, won that game. But when it comes to my expectations for this game, first and foremost, everybody knows this game is personal for me. Being born and raised in Cincinnati, a lot of Bengal fans, they hate me because they feel like I'm supposed to be a Bengal fan. And they just, they ready to disown me and say that I'm not a Cincinnati native because I'm not a Bengals fan. I'll be honest, it hurts me a little bit. It hurts me that my own friends and family are ready to disown me because I'm not a Bengals fan. It hurts me, seriously. But for whatever reason, Bengals fans, they act like it's a mandated law that you have to be a Bengals fan because you were born in Cincinnati, as if sports isn't diverse. Sports is diverse. No matter who you are, where you come from, you are free to be a fan of whatever team that you choose to be a fan of. You don't have to be a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers because you were born and raised in Pittsburgh. You don't have to be a fan of the New England Patriots because you were born and raised in Boston. Wherever you choose to be a fan of, whatever of that particular team, you can be a fan of that particular team. And so Bengal fans, they have scrutinized me for being a diehard Packers fan. And so that's a part of the reason why when I saw the schedule come out, I circled this game by it being at Paul Brown Stadium in my hometown, I circled this game as a game that the Packers must win. Now, you know, in the NFC North, they say our divisional rival is the Chicago Bears, but it's not really a rivalry because the Packers dominate the Bears every time they play the Bears. It's similar to that rivalry with Ohio State and Michigan at the collegiate level. For whatever reason, we are still saying that the Buckeyes and the Wolverines are a rivalry. When the Buckeyes have completely dominated that matchup with the Wolverines, it's not a rivalry. Let's stop calling it a rivalry. We have to get out of this, you know, mode because of history that we're still going to try and pretend like a particular matchup between two teams is a rivalry when it's not. If you beat a team, I'll say 10 straight years in a row or 10 straight games, it is not a rivalry. So it's not a rivalry between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines, just like it's not a rivalry between the Bears and the Packers, okay? But many people say that's our rivals, right? 
maybe even the Minnesota Vikings. But for me personally, I don't give a damn if we drop one game to Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears this year. I don't give a damn if we drop one game to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings this year. We have to beat the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday afternoon at Paul Brown Stadium. I got a lot riding on this game. A lot of family and friends been calling me all week, bragging about how the Bengals are sitting at three and one on the season. We got a young franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. He's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. We got a high-powered offense with Tyler Boyd on one side of the field, with Jameer Chase on the other side, an elite running back in Joe Mixon when you can get the right protection. I got Bengals fans calling me all week talking about how the Cincinnati Bengals are sleepers in the AFC and how they are ready to put the NFL on notice with a big-time win over Aaron Rodgers and my Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, you cannot let this happen. Okay? You can lose to anyone on the schedule this year one time. But I'd be damned if you lose to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals and the Packers, they only play each other every four years. Once every four years. And they only come to Paul Brown Stadium once every eight years. So the next time I'll see my Packers live in action won't be until 2028. And I don't want to go a whole entire eight years having to listen to Bingo fans brag about how Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lost when they came to Paul Brown Stadium, October 10th, 2021. I need you, Aaron. I need you, Devontae. I need y'all to come away with this win in the worst way. I need it. I mean, we'll play the Bengals again in 2000, what, 25? Oh, it'll be 2020. It'll be 2029 when we play the Bengals again. Eight years. I'm I'm getting my math mixed up. But I I can't have the the Bengal fans trying to, you know, talk trash to me for these next few years. I can't have it. But when you look at the game right my expectations for this game i expect the Bengals to come out ready for this game i have to be honest they know they are going up against a legend in aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers, three-time nfl mvp nfl super bowl champion nfl super bowl mvp has broken a lot of records throughout the course of his career i expect the Bengals to be up for this game the Bengals, they played down to their competition. We saw in the Thursday night matchup last week going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because they were facing the Jaguars, the Bengals came out flat. And they knew that even if they were down in the game, that they could make a comeback and still win the game. The Bengals know if they go down 14-0 to Aaron Rodgers, you ain't coming back from that deficit. You go down 14-0 to A-Rod, you're going to get blown off the field. So I expect Zach Taylor to have the Cincinnati Bengals ready to play in this 1 o'clock kickoff against Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. I believe this is going to be a high-scoring affair. So if you were a betting man or a betting woman, I would take the over 
in this game. The over right now was at 50 and a half. I would take the over right now and not look back. This game is going over. No matter who wins this game, it's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. And so right now, let's talk about the injuries for both teams. My Packers, we're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. I just got a tweet earlier about our starting center, Josh Myers. He's going to be out in this game. You know, it's a possibility that Elton Jenkins, he may return back in this game. Good thing about Elton Jenkins, though, you can move him around that offensive line so you can move him to center since Josh Myers is going to be out. But we got a lot of key injuries to key players on our team. J.R. Alexander, he has a shoulder injury right now he's dealing with. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He's big time. And Matt LaFleur announced earlier that they're going to try to push back surgery you know, as much as possible, you know, and see if Alexander's shoulder can heal on his own. You guys are Darius Smith right now dealing with the back injury. His status is uncertain for the rest of the season. David Bacciari, he's still on the PUP list. So he's not going to come back until possibly week seven or eight in the season with that ACL tear that he suffered last year. And then you got MVS right now, Marquez Valdez-Scanley. He's dealing with the hamstring injury. So the Packers got a lot of injuries that we're dealing with. But we got the ultimate, ultimate player in Aaron Rodgers who can offset any deficiencies, whether it be injuries or whether it be a bad defense that he's dealing with, because Aaron Rodgers has done it countless times in his career. And I'm going to get to him in a bit. Bengals got some injuries they're dealing with too. T. Higgins, he practiced a little bit this week, but it's a chance that he may return back to the lineup with his shoulder injury. Bates, the safety for the Bengals, he's dealing with the neck injury. You're going to need Bates in that secondary if you're going to slow down Aaron Rodgers in the passing attack. Joe Mixon, he's dealing with the ankle injury that he suffered against the Jaguars. And then Trey Waynes, he's dealing with the hamstring injury as well, the other cornerback. So both teams dealing with some injuries to some key players, but it won't be no excuses because both teams got quality good quarterbacks in Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers I'm not going to say Joe Burrow's elite just yet I'm going to get to him here in a bit because a lot of people saying right now Joe Burrow is elite and and I even saw I saw on first take the other day all of my notifications come to my phone with first take and undisputed when it comes to videos that they post on YouTube and I'm disappointed Stephen A Stephen A of ESPN he's a big time Aaron Rodgers fan y'all know his famous you know saying, talking about Aaron Rodgers, he's a bad man. That's Stephen A. Hope I did a good job doing the Stephen A impersonation, talking about Aaron Rodgers, but I'm disappointed in Stephen A because I saw Stephen A talking about Joe Burrow possibly being able to reach the ceiling that Aaron Rodgers has reached at during his career. During his career, Stephen A, I got the video. Let me, let me, let me read y'all the, the title of the video just so I can make sure that I'm representing Stephen A right the right way. I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm representing him the right way. Stephen A, Stephen A isn't ruling out Joe Burrow reaching Aaron Rodgers ceiling. Man, can we pump the brakes on Joe Burrow? Listen, I like Joe Burrow. On the season, Joe Burrow has nine touchdowns, four interceptions. 988 passing yards, completing 73% of his passes, 
which is ranked currently third in the NFL. Joe Burrow, he's also a winner. He won at the collegiate level with the LSU Tigers. You know, he won a national championship. I, he won a Heisman Trophy. Joe Burrow is big time. And he has the intangibles of being the type of quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with. I came on my show in the immediate aftermath of the Bengals beating the Jacksonville Jaguars last Friday. And I talked about how the Bengals have found themselves a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow to build their team around. And when you want to compete for a Super Bowl and be legitimate Super Bowl contenders, it starts with your head coach and your quarterback. The Bengals have one checked off. That's their quarterback in Joe Burrow. He's big time. And I like the fact that last week in the game against the Jaguars, Joe Mixon, he didn't really play well in that game. He didn't really play well. The offensive line, they didn't really protect for Joe Mixon like they like they normally can. And so the game was all on the shoulders of Joe Burrow. It was all on Joe Burrow. And so Joe Burrow played well in that game. He played well, and he delivered for the Bengals when they needed it the most, when they needed it the most. So I believe in Joe Burrow as a franchise quarterback. You can build your franchise around. But please pump the brakes on the Aaron Rodgers comparisons, please. This is a legend at the quarterback position. This is the greatest quarterback in Packer history. I love Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a gunslinger. Bart Starr was a great quarterback in his own right. But neither of them are on the level that Aaron Rodgers is on. When you talk about the most talented quarterback in NFL history, before Patrick Mahomes showed up, it was Aaron Rodgers and no one else. Please pump the brakes on the Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers comparisons. Can Joe Burrow at least win a playoff game first? Can he at least get the Bengals to the playoffs? And then we can talk about whether or not he can reach the ceiling that Aaron Rodgers has reached in his career. But slow down, slow down. But let's talk about the Bengals offense going up against the Packers defense. The Packers defensively, they are led by defensive coordinator Joe Barry. Y'all remember last year, Matt LaFleur, he relieved Mike Pettin of his duties. They brought in Joe Barry. Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur, they, they are familiar with each other. So Matt LaFleur wanted to bring in a guy that he knows to lead the defense. So far, the defense, they've given up – what are they giving up? On the yards per game, they were eighth in passing yards per game. Points per game, they are tied for 19th. Not very good. Rushing yards per game, they are ranked 12th in the NFL. And so right now, given the fact that the Packers have injuries in the secondary – because we, we don't know if Kevin King is going to return back from his concussion. Although Kevin King isn't very good. I've been on record talking about how I don't know why the hell general manager Brian Gutekus brought back Kevin King. Y'all saw how awful Kevin King was in the NFC Championship game. And then before he got his concussion this year, he wasn't playing well this season so far. He wasn't playing well. I, as great as Jair Alexander is, the opposite side, and Kevin King 
is bad. It's bad. That's why I like that they brought in the rookie Eric Stokes. I like the rookie Eric Stokes out of Georgia. He got an interception last week off of Ben Roethlisberger, and I like the way he's playing. But for the Bengals offense, the Packers secondary being banged up, banged up the way that they are, look for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals passing offense to try and expose the Packers' inexperienced secondary. So that's one of the keys I'm looking for in this game as well. Bengals receivers versus the Packers secondary. Jameer Chase versus Eric Stokes or Kevin King. Jameer Chase, so far in the season, he's been very impressive. And y'all know he had a very, very rough training camp. He had a rough training camp. I mean, a lot of people that's in the Bengals media, they talked about how Jameer Chase in training camp couldn't hold on to the ball. He couldn't catch the ball. And he couldn't hold on to the ball. And we know that's something that will get you benched in the NFL, being a receiver. But so far in the season, Jameer Chase, 17 receptions, 297 receiving yards, four touchdowns. He's that vertical threat for the Bengals in their passing game, similar to Marquez Valdez-Scanling of the Packers, similar to Deshaun Jackson with the LA Rams. That's Jameer Chase in the Bengals offense. So. Eric Stokes, Kevin King, I need y'all to step up in this game. We cannot have Jameer Chase shredding our defense because we know Joe Burrow is going to find him. Joe Burrow is going to find Jameer Chase. Make no mistake about it. We know that they have chemistry dating back to their days at LSU. And you saw, you saw even at LSU, Jameer Chase made plays in the passing game for Joe Burrow. Justin Jefferson made plays in the passing game, who's doing a great job right now in Minnesota, by the way, with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, we cannot let Jameer Chase get off in this game. We cannot let it happen. And so that's what I think the Zach Taylor and the Bengals offense, they're going to try to take advantage of the Packers' banged-up secondary. But right now, also, for the Bengals, Joe Mixon, 83 carries on the season, 353 receiving yards, receiving rushing yards, rushing yards. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what Joe Mister can bring to the table for the Bengals offense if he plays, if he plays. I still don't believe in the Bengals O-line. I, I, I really, really don't. Like, I know Bengal fans, they've been trying to sell me on this idea of the Bengals O-line being improved from last year. You, you still got Trey Hopkins. You know, you still got Xavier uh, Philo. You still got Riley Reef at the tackle position. Jonah Williams, Quinn Spain. I don't believe in the Bengals offensive line. I think they are very suspect, and I believe that the Packers' defensive line can take advantage of the Bengals' O-line. So I'm looking at players like Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Rashad Gary, you know, Lancaster. Can you step up and apply some pressure on Joe Burrow? Because if you can... That will slow down the Bengals passing game because Joe Burrow will be timid in the pocket and you can put some pressure on him. If you allow Joe Burrow to drop back in, in the pocket and not have pressure on Joe Burrow and he's able to call his girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure if Joe Burrow's married, and ask her what's for Sunday dinner, Packers going to have some problems. They're going to have some problems. And I'm a Packers fan, but I got to be realistic. I got to be realistic watching this game 
as a true sports critic and a sports broadcaster, I have to be honest, Bengals offensive line, they've given up 11 sacks on the season. So I think their offensive line can be exposed, just like I think the Packers secondary can be exposed. We'll see what happens on that side of the ball. Let's transition to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense against the Cincinnati Bengals defense that's led by Lou Adamaral. He is the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Aaron Rodgers, he is tied right now currently with Ben Marino for sixth all-time in NFL history with 420 career passing touchdowns. So I expect Aaron to break this record and move into fifth all-time in NFL history for career touchdown passes. On the season, Aaron Rodgers, this is even with his terrible week one performance against the Saints, Aaron Rodgers, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, 897 passing yards, completing 65% of his passes. Not great, but you expect Aaron Rodgers to improve statistically as the year goes along. And y'all know the offense is led by Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones in the running game. Aaron Jones, you know, I like him because he's a very, very dynamic back. He's a running back that creates mismatches for opposing teams' linebackers. No one can guard Aaron Jones in the open field. Not one Bengals linebacker can guard Aaron Jones. Not Davis, not Logan Wilson, not Jermaine Pratt. None of them brothers can guard Aaron Jones. So I expect Aaron Jones to not only play a big part in the Packers running game, but also in the Packers passing game as well. He's one of the best pass catching running backs we have in the NFL in Aaron Jones. So the running game is led by Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I want to see if the Packers can establish the running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If we can establish the running game and dominate up front with our O-line, who's been playing very, very well, by the way, they've been playing some great football, even without Elton Jenkins and without David Bacciari. Josh Myers, who's out in this game, um, unfortunately, but John Runyon, Josh Newman, Royce Newman, Billy Turner, the veteran, they all have stepped up in the absence of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. They've given up only nine sacks on the season. They did give up three sacks to the Steelers defense last week, but if they can protect Aaron Rodgers and open up some running lanes for A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, that's a recipe for success for the Green Bay Packers offense, okay? Defensively for the Bengals, last week, going up against Michael Robinson, the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they gave up 30 carries for 139 rushing yards. If the Bengals defense gives up over 100 rushing yards to the Packers, they will lose this game. I'm going to go on record saying that. If they defense give up over 100 yards rushing, they will lose this game because that's going to open up the passing game for Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon, and Alan Lazard. So they got to stop the run. They got to stop the run and slow down Aaron Jones. But so far in the season, the Bengals, they've done pretty good 
as far as yards per carry, they've given up on the season. They've given up 3.7 yards per carry, which is ranked seventh right now in the NFL. And they've given up, given up 93.5 yards per game, which is ranked ninth currently in the NFL. So, you know, defensively, they're playing some decent football. They have 11 sacks on the season, which is very, very impressive. The more stops you can get on that Bengals defense, the more opportunities you give Joe Burrow and the Bengals high-powered offense to put up points. So, you know, guys like Sam Hubbard, you know, DJ Redder, Trey Hendrickson, if they can apply some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, then this game could get very, very interesting. And, you know, given the fact that the Packers have possibly three linemen who could be out in this game, in David Bakhtiari, in Elton Jenkins, in Josh Myers, man, it, 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 could, it could really, really spell trouble for my Packers in Cincinnati this weekend. Biggest pass defense, they've given up 229 and a half yards per game. That's ranked 13th in the NFL. So that's actually also at the top of the rankings as well. So we'll see what happens. This is going to be an interesting matchup. You know, Aaron Rodgers going up against this Bengals defense. But similar to the Bengals and how they're going to have opportunities in the passing game, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have some opportunities in the passing game for the Packers as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bengals, they don't have anyone in their secondary who can guard Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, he's having a quiet season the first four games so far. He has 31 receptions, 373 rushing, receiving yards, one touchdown on the season. So he's had a quiet first four games of the season. But no one in the Bengals secondary can guard Devontae Adams. No one. Trey Waynes, he may be out in this game. He's your best option, and he can't guard Devontae. Because Devontae Adams used to light him up, dating back to Wayne's days when he played with the Minnesota Vikings. So no one in that Bengals secondary can guard Devontae Adams. I look for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to really, really take advantage of this Bengals secondary. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Also in the passing game, you saw Randall Cobb step up last week against the Steelers. Randall Cobb. Five receptions, 69 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And so when we lost MVS, you know, after the 49er game with the hamstring injury, the Packers needed another receiver to step up. And this is why Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to trade for a veteran like Randall Cobb. It is underrated, or you can't, you, you, I'm sorry, not underrated. You can't talk enough about the chemistry that Aaron Rodgers has with guys like Randall Cobb, like Devontae Adams, because in these late game situations, Aaron Rodgers, he looks for receivers who he can rely on like Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. This is why you want to see receivers like Marquez valdez Scanlon, like Alan Lazard, like Amari Rodgers step up at key moments in games in the regular season so Aaron Rodgers can trust them in a playoff moment. Because make no mistake about it, we know the Packers are going to the playoffs. They're going to win the NFC North. No matter what happens Sunday afternoon at Paul Brown Stadium, 
the Packers are going to win the NFC North. But the Bengals, they got to win every game they can win. Being in a tough AFC North, got some real, real stiff competition. And Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Also, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, who I believe is the best team in the AFC North. You know, you got you got some stiff competition right now in the AFC if you're the Bengals. And then you look at the other, other divisions in the AFC West. They're going to get two teams in the playoffs more than likely. The L.A. Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe the Raiders. Who knows? In the South, it's probably going to be only the Titans. I don't see the Colts making the playoffs. So the Bengals got some stiff competition in the AFC. In the AFC. Packers, we're going to win our division because we're in the NFC North. That alone will get us into the playoffs. But, you know, I'm excited about this matchup. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. It's prediction time, though. Who do I got winning this game? Aaron Rodgers, 34. Joe Burrow, 24. That's what I got. It's going to be a high-scoring game at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm rolling with the pack to get the job done over the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. Packers, 34. Bengals, 24. And I want all you Bengal fans to answer the phone when I call y'all Sunday afternoon because y'all know I'm going to be calling as soon as I leave Paul Brown Stadium. I'm going to be blowing Bengal fans' phones up. Go, Pack. Go. Let's get this dub in Cincinnati Sunday afternoon and improve to four and one on the season and be in the driver's seat in the NFC North. I'll be down at Paul Brown Stadium. I'll be joining a lot of Bengal fans early Sunday morning doing some tailgating. I'll be down there getting a lot of footage. So come and talk to your boy. I'll be in the house. I'll be there. I'm going, I ain't, I ain't running. I'm going to be right there in the house. I'm excited about this game. Again, the Packers and Bengals play once every eight years at Paul Brown Stadium. So I'm going to be down town early come Sunday morning. Come talk to your boy. And, you know, I'll give you an interview on the Wise Guys pregame special. Let's transition. Let's talk about the matchup with the three and one Buffalo Bills traveling to Arrowhead to take on the two and two Kansas City Chiefs. It's an 825 Eastern time start on NBC, ESPN, FPI. They give the Bills a 51% chance to win this game. Rematch of the AFC Championship game. In that game, Josh Allen, he had 287 passing yards. Patrick Mahomes, 325 passing yards. And for his career, Josh Allen is 0-2 against Patrick Mahomes. Some keynotes for this game, the Buffalo Bills, they have outscored their opponents 118-21 to over the last three weeks. They haven't had much competition, you know, so we'll see what happens because this is going to be a big-time matchup. This is going to be a big-time matchup. And Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they are two of three quarterbacks in the NFL with 55 total touchdowns since 2020. So since last year, you know, they've been playing at a very, very high level. This is one of the most exciting games of the season for me. It gives you that big brother versus little brother feel. Over the last few years, the Bills and the Chiefs, they've been the best two teams in the AFC. 
with two of the top five young quarterbacks in the NFL and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And you just get the feeling that in order for the Buffalo Bills to reach their ultimate goals and get to a Super Bowl, at some point, they're going to have to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's inevitable. So last year, the Bills, they lost both games against the Chiefs. The first game was in Buffalo. Uh, the Chiefs, they dominated the game on the ground. And the Chiefs dominated the game overall. The Bills, they made a sound effort to slow down the Chiefs passing game. And the Chiefs had a great game on the ground and pretty much dominated, dominated the game in the trenches. And then you remember in the AFC Championship game last year, you know, Patrick Mahomes, again, 325 passing yards. You know, he was absolutely sensational. And Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they had a great game as well. Like, you, they, couldn't get, they couldn't contain Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. They couldn't contain him. <clears throat> Look at some of these numbers for the game. Where did Patrick Mahomes go? He went. Um, Patrick Mahomes, 29 of 38, three touchdown passes. I mean, Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 172 receiving yards. I mean, the, the Bills had no answer for the Chiefs' weapons and their two most prolific weapons in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, 13 receptions, 118 receiving yards. I mean, two touchdowns. They were, they were great in that game. And it was a high-scoring affair. High-scoring affairs. But in that game, you know, the Bills offense, they played pretty good. They had 363 total yards of offense. And I told y'all, the Chiefs have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't know who has the worst defense, if it's the Seahawks or the Chiefs. I don't really know. I honestly do not know. Neither defense can stop a nosebleed. So just like the AFC Championship game, I expect this game to be a high-scoring affair as well. I expect this to be a high-scoring game, so go and take the over in this game as well. On the season, Patrick Mahomes, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,218 passing yards, completing 72% of his passes. Him going up against a Bills defense who, you know, over the last few weeks, they haven't really had much competition. I mean, they haven't. Last week, they, they beat the Texans 40 to nothing. And then I believe in like week three, they had the Washington football team. They've been very consistent all year long. And week two, they had the Dolphins. They beat them 35 to nothing. So, I mean, the last few weeks, the Bills, they've outscored their opponents 118 to 21. 118 to 21. So they haven't really had much competition. They haven't. So we're going to see if the Bills are going to be ready for this big-time matchup. And when you look at their schedule, they got the Titans the following week in week six. And then they got Dolphins, Jags, Jets, Colts. Saints, all winnable games. Uh, Patriots, Buccaneers, that could be a possible loss December 12th. 
And then they got the Falcons and they finished up with the Jets at home. You can make a legitimate argument that this is the biggest regular season game of the year for the Buffalo Bills. Biggest regular season game of the year because in order to be able to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to have to do it. And the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, we know they're a juggernaut, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And so they have turned the ball over a lot this season, though, so far. They really have. So right now, the Chiefs offense, they're either scoring touchdowns or they are turning the ball over. It's one or the other right now with them. So I'm interested to see if the Buffalo Bills can at least, you know, hold the Chiefs to field goals and, you know, try to contain Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense. You're not going to be able to stop the Chiefs for 60 minutes. It's not going to be able to happen. But you can at least contain the Chiefs offense and give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. That's the chance I give the Buffalo Bills. Let's transition to the Bills offense against the Chiefs defense. Josh Allen on the season, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, over a thousand yards passing on the season. He's completing 63% of his passes. Going up against the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense, they've given up 30 points per game so far this season. They've given up 29, 36, 30, and 30 points again this season. They made Jalen Hurts look like an elite quarterback last week. I mean, Jalen Hurts had 434 total yards against the Chiefs defense last week at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. I was watching the game thinking, like, is Justin Fields a 10-year vet? Or is he a second-year player in the NFL? That's how bad the Chiefs' defense is. 434 total yards? That ain't Aaron Rodgers? That's not Lamar Jackson? That's not Russell Wilson? That's Jalen Hurts. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you have to be concerned with that horrific defense. And one of the keys that I'm looking forward to in this game, in order for the Bills to have an opportunity to win this game, the Bills offensively, they have to approach this game like the L.A. Chargers approached the matchup against the Chiefs in week three. You remember Brandon Staley, the new head coach of the L.A. Chargers, he had multiple instances where he went for it on fourth down. He knows he's going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And in order to beat the Chiefs, you got to score a minimum of 30 points. At bare minimum, you got to score 30 points to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I liked Staley's approach to the week three matchup when the Chargers faced off against the Chiefs at Arrowhead when the Chargers beat the Chiefs 30 to 24. I love his approach to the game. We're not going to come on here and kick field goals and think we're going to be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It will not happen. And I believe head coach Sean McDermott has to take a page out of Brandon Staley's 
book and apply that to his game plan. So I think the Bills offense, they need to have multiple times where if they are in Chiefs territory and they, you know, pass the 40-yard line, you're going to go for it on fourth and two. You're going to go for it on fourth and four. You have to score touchdowns to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's another key for me in this matchup, you know, for the Bills to have a chance. Also, the Kansas City Chiefs defensively, when teams get in the red zone against the Chiefs defense, they typically score touchdowns. They skip, typically score touchdowns. And so, so far this season, in 21 red zone tries, the Buffalo Bills, they have 12 touchdowns and they've kicked nine field goals. And last week against the Houston Texans, although the Buffalo Bills won that game, you know, decisively, 40 to nothing, they kicked a lot of field goals in that game. They can't afford to do that this week. They cannot afford to do that this week. But if you are a Bills fan, you're excited because when opposing offenses have gotten in the red zone against the Chiefs defense, they have scored touchdowns. They don't hold teams to field goals. They allow teams to score touchdowns on their defense. So Josh Allen has to be excited about this matchup and how he can expose the Chiefs' defense. Also, similar to how I don't believe the Bengals has anyone in their secondary who can guard Devontae Adams, I don't think the Chiefs have anyone in their secondary who can guard Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL when he's playing at his best. And they don't have anyone in their secondary who can guard Stephon Diggs. And they're going to need it. But also, the Bills, they still got other similar weapons, you know, like Cole Beasley, you know, Emmanuel Sanders now. He is a reliable weapon for Josh Allen in the passing game. So if Josh Allen can, you know, spread the love and make sure everyone is getting involved in the offense, they can keep pace with this Chiefs offense be a high scoring affair it's, it's going to be a high scoring affair at arrowhead sunday night i'm looking forward to this game i like the coaching matchup sean mcdermott he's one of the most underrated coaches in the nfl going up against an all-time great coach in andy reed i want to see who can win that matchup between the two coaches but for this game I want to pick the Bills with an upset so bad. I really do. I want to pick the Bills so bad, but something's telling me the Chiefs is going to win this game. <laughs> something is telling me that the Chiefs is going to win this game, but the hell with it. I'm rolling with the Buffalo Bills to pull off the upset over the Kansas City Chiefs. I got Bills 35, Chiefs 31. That's my prediction. Josh Allen, 35, Patrick Mahomes, 31. It's going to be an exciting game. Let's transition. Let's talk about the matchup that's taking place tonight down at Nipper Stadium. We got the Tip Wows, 3-2 and two on the season, taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats. They are coming off that big-time win last week, arguably the greatest regular season win in 
Bearcats history last week against Notre Dame, Fighting Irish 24 to 13. They lead, you know, the AAC at 4 0 on the season. And so, you know, for me, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this game. I expect the Bearcats to get the job done tonight in Nipper Stadium. I love the atmosphere at Nipper at night. I mean, it is a great atmosphere to be down there in that stadium where Bearcat fans are going crazy. And when the Bearcats are playing some great football, like they are currently playing right now, it's a great atmosphere to be a part of. A part of. It really, really is. And so I think Luke Fickle will have his team ready. I know I spoke earlier about normally in sports when a team, especially in football, when they have a big-time matchup, the following week they normally have a letdown and kind of come out flat because they gave so much energy to the game the previous week going up against, you know, a big-time opponent. And so they went up against Notre Dame, a big-time opponent. In last week's game, you can make a case for why the Bearcats could come out a little bit flat tonight going up against the Temple Owls. They can could come out and basically, you know, feel like, hey, we are going to be a little bit complacent because we're going up against the Temple Owls and they are 3-2 and two on the season. They aren't, aren't a really good football team. I mean, you know, but I think Luke Fick was going to have the Bearcats ready to play tonight. I really, really do. I think he's going to have them ready to play tonight. And I think Derek Ritter, or Desmond Ritter, I'm sorry, Desmond Ritter is going to put on a high-speed performance at Nipper Stadium tonight. I got the Bearcats swing of, of, uh, winning big tonight. I don't even think this game is going to even be close. I got Bearcats, I'll say 41, Temple 20. Temple 20. Bearcats 41, Owls 20. I think the Bearcats are going to take care of business. I think they are going to improve to 5-1. and one. I'm sorry, 5-0 and oh on the season. And, you know, in order for the Bearcats to have an opportunity to get to the college football playoff, they need to go undefeated, and they got to blow out teams like the Temple Owls. This could not be a competitive game tonight in Nipper. We know the committee is looking for reasons to not have the Bearcats in the college football playoff more so than reasons to have them a part of the playoffs. So if you're going up against teams like the Temple Owls, you want to get off to a good start early in the game, put them away in the first half. And in the second half, we should see Desmond Ritter and Pierce, the receiver for the Bearcats, you know, on the sideline, resting, getting ready for their matchup against UCF next Saturday at Nipper Stadium. So jump on these owls early. Jump on them early. Make them regret getting on that plane coming to Cincinnati. Make them regret that. My NFL wise picks for week five. Let's start off in the ATL as we got the New York Jets coming off a win over the Titans last week, traveling to Atlanta to take on Matty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to win this game. I think it will be close, though. I think the Jets will compete. I got Falcons 24, Jets 20. 
Saints at the Washington football team. I think this game is going to be a good football game out in Maryland. But I'm going to roll with the Saints to win this game over the Washington football team. I'll say Saints 28, Washington football team 24. Lions at Vikings. I don't care about neither one of these teams, but I'll say the Vikings will beat the Lions in Minnesota. I'll say Lions, they'll put up maybe 21. I'll say the Vikings put up 30. Vikings 30, Lions 21. Broncos traveling to Heinz Field to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Broncos are the better team. I think the Broncos have a better defense than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. And I think right now, even though the Broncos lost last week to the Baltimore Ravens, and that just kind of speaks to how great Lamar Jackson is playing right now. We talk about early NFL MVP candidates. Derek Carr deserves to be in that conversation. Tom Brady deserves to be in that conversation. Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. Lamar Jackson deserves to be at the top of that list as well. All of the injuries that happened with the Baltimore Ravens in training camp for Lamar Jackson to have them right now sitting at three and one on the season is very, very impressive. It's very impressive. And I like the way Lamar Jackson is playing right now. But the Broncos lost to Lamar last week. But I still think they are a better team than the Steelers. I'm going to roll with the Broncos to beat the Steelers. I'll say Broncos. 24 Steelers 14. I don't even think the Steelers are going to be able to move the ball effectively at all in this matchup. That's how big time I believe the Broncos defense is. Titans at Jaguars. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. We all know the Jaguars. They are trying to avoid a 20 game losing streak, but unfortunately, I believe it will happen. I think the Titans they slept on the New York Jets last week in New York. That's a part of the reason why they lost. They didn't let Julio Jones or A.J. Brown play in the matchup last week against the Jets. Pretty much was low managing because they thought they were going to be able to beat the Jets without Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But I think the Titans are going to be ready for this game. I think Vrabel will have them ready to play. I got Titans 31, Jaguars 14. Eagles at Panthers. I think the Panthers are a better football team than the Philadelphia Eagles. I know the Panthers lost to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys last week, but it's a chance that they, they might get back Christian McCaffrey. He's going to help Sam Darnold and that Panthers offense in the running game. Christian McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Make no mistake about it. He's just been dealing with a lot of injuries the last few years. I like the Panthers in this game against the Eagles. Jalen Hurts had a great game against the Chiefs defense. I still think Jalen Hurts has a ways to go before I can say he's a young quarterback that you can build your franchise around and win a Super Bowl with. I'm rolling with the Panthers to beat the Eagles. I'll say Panthers 27, Eagles 17. Dolphins at Bucks. I think Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. Decisively, I'm gonna roll with the Bucks. I'll say 31, 
to 17. I, I right now, Dolphins have been, you know, they're struggling. Tua may come back in week six, but even if he comes back, I don't even believe in Tua as a quarterback you could build your team around and win a Super Bowl with. You know, I was high on the Dolphins coming into the season. I had them making the playoffs because I thought they had a very, very complete team. But watching them these first four weeks, I haven't been very impressed. I think the Bucs are by far better team than the Dolphins. Bucks 31, Dolphins 17. Patriots at Texans. I think the Patriots get a win this week against the Texans. I think that Mac Jones being able to perform the way that he performed Sunday night in a primetime matchup against Tom Brady, I think that's a performance that Mac Jones can build off of. And again, remember in the game, he had 19 straight completions at one point. I think that's the type of performance he can build off of. And I think the Patriots will win this game over the Texans, but I think it will be close. I'll roll with the Patriots to win this game 20 to 17. Bears at Raiders. Game is going to be taking place out in Las Vegas. I think the Raiders are a better football team than the Bears. I do like the fact that Matt Nagy finally came to his senses and named Justin Fields, the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, the remaining part of this season. But I think Derek Carr is going to be too much for that Bears defense. I got Raiders 27, Bears 17. I'll go 27-17, Raiders. 49ers at Cardinals. Big-time NFC West matchup. Cardinals 4-0 in the season. 49ers, 2-2. This is my upset pick of the week. I'm going to roll with the 49ers in this game to beat Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. I got 49ers, 24, Cardinals, 20. That's my upset pick for the week. So I think Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals have been playing some great football. And y'all remember, coming into the season, we had three teams that we talked about as true contenders in the NFC. We talked about the L.A. Rams when they made the trade for Matthew Stafford. We talked about the Packers going to -to back-to-back NFC championship games. We talked about the defending Super Bowl champions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We didn't talk about the Arizona Cardinals as being at the top of that list as a team that could compete for a Super Bowl in the NFC. They played very well these first four games of the season. But I think they're going to lose this particular game. I got 49ers 24, Cardinals 20 with an upset. And I think Kyle Shanahan announced earlier today that Trey Lance will get the start at quarterback for the 49ers. So let's see what Trey Lance has in store for us as we watch him debut in his first rookie start. Giants at Cowboys. Okay, NFC West, I'm sorry, NFC East game. Cowboys should win this game. (laughs) They should win this game. They are the better team. They have a high-powered offense led by Dak Prescott. I'm going to roll with the Cowboys to win this game and beat the Giants 34-20. I was impressed with the Giants last week, though. They had a very, very impressive win in New Orleans. They trailed by double digits to the New Orleans Saints and them being able to come back in that game and prevail in overtime showed me a lot about the heart of the New York Giants. 
I like Joe Judge as a head coach. I know they're losing games, and I know they won in three, but I really, really like the heart of this New York Giants team. They show a lot of heart in games. They lose, but they show a lot of heart. They could easily right now be two and two. You remember the loss they had in week two against the Washington football team where they lost the game on the game winning field goal by Washington. They could have won that game and been two and two right now, but they won in three. They'll lose this game and fall to one and four because I think the Cowboys are going to be too much for them on Sunday afternoon in Dallas. Let's talk about the Monday night matchup between the Colts and Ravens. I'm rolling with Lamar Jackson to beat Carson Wentz. I'll say Lamar. I'll go 28, Colts 21. I think the Colts will compete in this game, but it won't be enough. It won't be enough. Colts got their first win last week against the Miami Dolphins. We see how bad the Miami Dolphins are playing right now, so I can't put much stock into that Colts win. But I think the Ravens are a better football team right now than the Colts. I think Lamar Jackson, again, is a legitimate MVP candidate. And he's playing at a very, very high level right now. And by the way, I had no problem with John Harbaugh going for that record that the Ravens went for in Mile High last week against the Broncos. I know Vic Fangio, he had a major, major problem with the Ravens going for that record. Because, you know, in that moment in the game, typically teams kneel. And they kneel and, and they just pretty much shake hands and the game is over. But I don't have no problem with John Harbaugh going for that record because that record means a lot to the Ravens football team. It's the rushing yards record. I think it's like a over a hundred yards rushing for like 43 straight games. And when you have the type of player on your team, like a Lamar Jackson, Lamar takes pride in being able to, you know, beat records consistently like he beat Sunday afternoon in Denver and you want to keep that streak going so I have no problem with Harbaugh you know going for the record in that moment so those are my week five wise picks got one more on here actually one more actually I'm excited about this game we got the Cleveland Browns traveling to LA to take on the LA Chargers man it's gonna be a good game uh, I, oh, man, it's going to be good. I'm going to actually surprise some people here. I'm going to roll with the Browns to win this game. ESPN, they are giving the Chargers a 55% chance to win this game. I'm going to roll with Baker Mayfield and the Browns to win this game. I'll go 27 to 24. It's gonna, I think the Browns will win on a late field goal. But it's going to be a good game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. It's going to be a good game. So those are my NFL Wise picks. That's a wrap on tonight's show. I'm going to see y'all downtown tailgating Sunday morning by Paul Brown Stadium. And I'll be in the house at Paul Brown Stadium Sunday afternoon, one o'clock, to watch on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers taking on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Go, Pack, go. We got to get this win against the Cincinnati Bengals. We got to improve to 4-1 on the season, and I can have bragging rights the next four years once my Packers beat the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday afternoon at Paul Brown Stadium. And again, I want all y'all Bengal fans, 
to answer y'all phones when I call y'all Sunday around, we'll say 4.45, 5 o'clock-ish, Sunday afternoon. I want you to answer y'all phone. I really, really do. Answer the phone. And one more thing I want to say before I get out of here. If the Bengals do pull this off, I'll be the first to come on my show Monday morning and congratulate the Bengals at being a true sleeper in the AFC. If you're a team like the Cincinnati Bengals and you're a young team led by Zach Taylor, led by a young quarterback in Joe Burrow, no one's going to take you serious until you have a signature win. They are going to get their opportunity Sunday against Aaron Rodgers. I'm excited for it. And if the Bengals are able to pull this off, I will come on this show Monday and congratulate the Cincinnati Bengals. And I will admit that maybe they have changed the culture here in Cincinnati and they are legitimate contenders in the AFC. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'm about to run down here to Nipper Stadium and watch the Bearcats take on the Temple Owls. Everybody enjoy your weekend. I know I will. Enjoy all of your college football tomorrow as well. This is Trey Larkin signing off the Worldwide Sports Network. Have a great weekend. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.